This episode is sponsored by Toddle. Toddle is an all-in-one teaching and learning platform used by over 40,000 educators around the world. This year, Toddle is hosting the largest virtual gathering for school leaders across the globe, which is happening right now. Today is the second day of this event, and you can join 5,000-plus school leaders by clicking in the show notes. There is a free pass, which you can get there, or you can get at joshstamper.com. Click that button, get the free pass so you can learn, connect, and grow with your professional learning network today. There are so many wonderful leaders that are still speaking. I've had the wonderful opportunity to have three of the speakers on the Aspire podcast, so make sure you check those interviews out. And I'm also going to have some bonus material after the event, talking with several other folks from the Toddle event, so stay tuned for that. This week, we're going to be speaking with a wonderful guest, Maria Barrera, she is the founder of a fantastic company called Clayful, where their mission is to help kids build the skills and resilience to tackle anything that comes their way and to partner with schools and school leaders so they can improve mental wellness of the students and teachers, regardless of their situation or socioeconomic status. I'm so excited for this conversation as this is a very important topic that is resonating with a lot of educational leaders as they're seeing a huge need in regards to mental health and mental wellness. So stay tuned as Maria talks through some resources and some tactics to assist in this very important topic. Welcome back everyone to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Maria, thank you so much for being on the Spider Lead podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I had the wonderful opportunity to meet you prior to this episode and learn about all the fantastic things you're doing in the world of education. And I would love for you to share with my listeners a little bit about yourself, your educational and leadership journey. All right. So I started as an educational leader back when I was a high school student teaching actually middle schoolers Italian. Oh, nice. <laughs> the middle school next door. To clarify, I am not Italian, so I was learning it while also teaching. And I feel like something that a lot of teachers go through. So, you know, that lesson has carried me through a lot of my career to this point. And then after college graduation, I throughout college, I had a tutoring company and really supported students with mostly math and science subjects. Uh, so veered off the Italian there for a bit. Ended up joining, was about to go into the classroom, and then ended up meeting the founder of Nearpod at the Stanford D School where I was getting my master's degree. And I was so impressed by the ability of technology to have a huge impact in the classroom. And the fact that we can, you know, at, at its core, Nearpod was a pretty simple technology, right? It was, at, at that point, it was PowerPoint on steroids. and But it helped solve a really big problem, which was like, hey, we have all these devices in our classrooms. What are we going to do with them? They don't run PowerPoint. They don't run Java. And we don't know, and kids know how to use them better than we do. Obviously, we've come a long way since then, but those lessons of, hey, how do you leverage technology to solve big problems in education have, again, carried me through my career in a pretty powerful way. And it's the reason I started Clayful about a year ago. Yes. And I we're definitely going to talk about Clayful. It's a phenomenal program. And I want to talk to you about kind of that shift because you went from that company to then, you know, starting something completely different. And I know that you identified a really big need, which was student mental health and wellness. And I think that's such a ginormous topic and one that every educator is seeing right now as something that needs to improve. So 
what was behind you starting this company? What does the company do for education? And then also kind of what is the future of student mental health? I mean, it's so powerful to even hear you say that because a year and a half ago when I was first thinking about this problem, we were just starting to talk about, okay, there might be a crisis here. But there really wasn't a lot of conversation around what what school's role in addressing mental health was. And that conversation has shifted dramatically over the last year and a half, right? Like we were at a superintendent about last week and mental health is their top priority. It's a thing that's keeping them up, up at night the most. And it's just been really rewarding as an entrepreneur and someone who, you know, a year and a half ago said, hey, I think there's a big problem here and I think there's ways that I can help to now see that conversation shifting and people realizing like, oh yes, there is a huge problem here. And schools have a ton of both like potential and and ability to make an impact in a way that we hadn't really thought about before. So I'll walk you through the the quick story of how it started. After Nearpod, I got the opportunity to join another early stage startup. I love building things from zero to one. So and crave that like, you know, the chaos that comes with building things from scratch. So I joined a company actually in the HR space. And that was in January 2020. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So you can imagine what's coming there. It was a fascinating roller coaster. And like, you know, what HR is not doing when they're dealing with a global pandemic is picking up the phone and <laughs> allowing you to sell your product to them. But it turns out that our product was key for both like scaling companies and companies that were quickly changing. What As I started seeing like, what are the trends in the market, which companies are growing, which companies are, are quickly having to adopt, I saw a lot of mental health solutions popping up. And it also became a recurrent theme when we were talking to HR. Companies thinking about how are we better going to support our employees and what are the ways that we can provide support during the this time and hopefully beyond that too. So I started to see all these companies come up and I didn't see anything for kids. And when I started to do research on like, well, the pandemic affected all of us in some way, shape or form, but for, for kids, it's not just, you know, that social isolation and anxiety of what's going on in the world, but it's, it's also a lack of structure, right? It's a lack of like socialization. It's not being in the environments that you've been used to being and completely changing your routine. And and so much of that is key and, and the social aspects of it are key to cognitive development and, and helping students sort of mature and grow. And, you know, taking school into Zoom boxes was, was really hard. And it was really hard for a lot of families or really hard for a lot of students. So after I started to do some research on it and the sort of inflection point was and when I saw an article in the New York Times about the rising suicide rates in eight-year-olds. And that article changed my life because at that point I cried a lot and had this sort of awakening where I realized like, oh, this is the problem I need to go address. I need to go be a part of this. And I, I feel very lucky that in my career I've been able to work with educators when work on the technology side and really sort of see a lot of different ways in which we can address big problems. And I felt that I could support education through our students through this big, challenging crisis, given my expertise. So I ended up literally that night, it was 2am on a Tuesday, because what does one do when they can't fall asleep? You just scroll through Twitter. Well, yeah, obviously. And I emailed my boss and was like, I, ha- I got to talk to you, I have to go. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. I just knew I needed to work on it. And I spent a lot of time talking to people, figuring out what 
a solution could be. And and eventually landed on what we're building now. But it was, you know, a, a hard process because it's such a complex problem. And and there's so many sort of inputs and outputs to think about. Uh, but at the core, our main belief and the thing that I wanted to sort of build for was I want I want to build and we are building for families without disposable income. And I wanted to build something that was preventative and not just focused on reaction and, and not just helping kids pass the breaking point, but helping them avoid ever getting to a breaking point. Because my point of view is you can't address the crisis by only helping those in crisis. You have to avoid the crisis to begin with, right? That's what we're doing. And and it was a long <laughs> journey to get there. But now we're supporting, you know, we started, we ran our first pilots a year ago and now we're supporting thousands of kids across four different states and growing and it's it's taken off <laughs> yeah it does i'm going to pause for a moment to let you know that this episode is also brought to you by papa rob's coffee as i am recording this i am drinking a wonderful espresso special blend which rob is famously known for make sure you go to his website to find many fantastic medium and dark blends available at paparobscoffee.com. And of course, make sure that you use the special code only for my listeners, Aspire15, which gets you 15% off your order. Now back to our conversation with Maria. You know, I want to talk about a couple of things that you mentioned. One being just the lack of structure that occurred during the pandemic with students and Obviously, the educators are seeing that in the classroom now, but then also socialization just looked different. And I think everyone, students, adults, all really leaned into social media in regards to connecting with other people. However, there's also been an adverse effect to that and with student mental health. So I'm just curious on what your findings were and what you're doing to to help students through what has occurred over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think like the isolation piece is such or am part of all of this because I mean we're humans we're connected people like our we are social creatures by default right and by design when you talk to especially like younger kids like we've now embedded sort of a fear of others in them right in a way that creates a lot of anxiety it's social anxiety and anxiety like going outside and getting sick and, and death right there's there's a lot of fears that came with having to live through a global pandemic and at the core, when I was talking to people, like the thing that we missed the most was that human connection. You know, I get a lot of questions around like, well, is this an AI bot? And is this just like, can you do this with AI? I'm like, could you do it? You probably could, right? There's Wobot. There's other companies out there doing tackling mental health through AI. But for us, it's really like, how do we keep human connection at the core? And how do we help students connect with people who are caring and loving and are good humans and like show that the world is fundamentally good? I mean, so what you were saying, so much of what, what social media has become is just like polarizing because by design, it's meant to have the the, uh, the algorithm that will, you know, keep you watching are the things that are going to get you stimulated the most. And I think our kids deserve to see that the world is good and that humans are good. So that's that's a big part of what we're doing. On the social media front, I think, I mean, obviously, we've seen a lot of interesting things happen and like Seattle Public Schools now seeing the social media companies. And I, I think I'm really intrigued by how that conversation continues to evolve. There has been some conversation on like, well, should social media be only available to kids over 18? And I'm like, yeah, well, like Jewel is only available to kids over 18. Doesn't stop any, doesn't stop them from getting it. Right. So I, I'm a huge believer that, that not 
restricting the use, but rather like helping them figure out how to best use it and giving them the tools to manage themselves online and 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 deal with, you know, mean people that might come up and, and build that resiliency. It is more effective because they're going to have to do that in the future anyway. And one of the big, you know, I'm biased too, because one of our big products that we worked with at Nearpod was a partnership with Common Sense on digital citizenship. So that's been sort of embedded into my brain and the importance of digital citizenship. And and I think that there's more that we can do to help kids build the the knowledge to be able to deal with those things and, and behave appropriately online um, instead of trying to take it away. Yeah, social media is not going anywhere. That's definitely not the answer. I couldn't agree with you more, Maria. So you had talked about student loneliness and obviously a lot of people were feeling that regardless of your age, last couple of years, because of that human connection being lost. So I know a lot of educators are wondering, like, how can we help now, now that we're kind of moving past that piece and everyone's back in the building for the most part? You know, what are we going to do to kind of work through all of the trauma that's occurred and help students with the the lonely feeling that they had? Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I mean, you don't go into education for the money, right? Like people go into education because they care. And every teacher I've ever met, just like you care so deeply and you care so much about your students and you're thinking about them day in and day out. And I think that that's what's so beautiful about this profession. And it can be exhausting as well. Right. And like we've put our teachers and our admins like through the ringer over the last couple of years. And we've been doing things that have never been done before and learned new things, approached new situations in ways that we never thought we would need to. And, you know, it shows how resilient this profession and the the people who make up this profession are. And it, it's also broken a lot of them and understandably so, because it's been really, really hard. So when I think about like how do we, one, as educators, like support our students, but also support ourselves, it's it's a tough balance, right? And and we, you know, you always hear the like, put your mask on first, or, like fill your own cup so you can pour into others. These are great sayings. We love them. But actually doing it is harder <laughs> than it seems. It sounds great, but it's not always possible. And especially when you when you are highly empathetic and care so much, you're like, well, no, like, I'll just give you my mask. It's okay. I'll be fine. Like, eh, maybe you won't be. That's another sort of big angle that we think about. It's like, okay, how do we support teachers and counselors and admins? And they take on a lot of trauma themselves, right? Like secondhand. And they're taking on a lot of the situations that students are going through. How can we be an additional support where, where they don't feel guilty sort of passing it off, right? It's like, hey, I see you're having a really tough day. Why don't you talk to your coach about that? And, you know, go in a corner and log on and talk. And it, it's not that you're not making space for that student, but it's more that like you're you're setting a boundary too. And, and helping giving the student the support that they need while also being able to support the other 30 students that are in your classroom, right? So that's something that we're, we think about a lot and, and helping also give educators strategies because a lot of the cognitive load comes from like, well, I don't know what to do in this situation, right? Or I don't know, you know, a student's coming to me with why, like, what do I, how do I respond? So we're thinking a lot about what does that, whether it's like professional development, what are those strategies look like that are more, you know, piecemeal or like just in time? What could that look like uh, to, again, reduce that cognitive load? Know that like, hey, you're responding in sort of, you know, quote unquote, like right way, like research-based way, while also not having to, you know, take all, all of that weight on you. 
This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I want to talk about resources because my listeners know I try to provide as many resources to them as possible, especially ones that you know I've kind of vetted and, and believe in, and obviously Clayful is one of those. So I know schools are lacking resources, especially in this area when it's in regards to mental wellness, mental health. If you turn on the news, there's so many things going on. You know, we were talking about before we even pushed record, right? As far as, you know, shootings occurring in schools all the time, the natural disasters. And we have to understand that our students are surrounded by this and they're coming to school the next day with all these adverse situations. You know, what can Clayful do to help schools, especially those that are kind of lacking resources in this area? You're totally right that there's sad news literally every day and it's devastating. It's also really hard for a school to be able to, you know, and at the drop of a bucket, like hire 20 counselors or bring on a crisis team. That's really difficult, right? Like getting more people is, especially in rural communities, as an example, like it's extremely difficult. So part of the way that we work with schools is we are an extension of their team, right? So we don't replace the counselor. We don't replace your school psychologist. Rather, we are an extension of the work that they do by providing that tier one and sometimes tier two support to students. So that means that students can come to us and talk about like, hey, I'm really stressed out about a test and the test is tomorrow. What do I do? (laughs) And we'll talk through that. And it doesn't need to be a big thing. But it could also be the student that like if we didn't talk through that, they could break down in class tomorrow, right? They could break down during that test. So it's helping decrease, going back to, again, avoiding those breaking points. Like That's key. And that way, the counselor can focus on the students who need them the most. So when we think about some of the things that are happening on in the news, a lot of students feel like, oh, just because I'm upset about something I saw, like, that's not big enough. Like, it doesn't warrant me, like, going to the counselor's office. It doesn't warrant me taking up, quote, unquote, someone else's time because students are actually, like, incredibly conscientious and, like, amazing. Um, but that means that providing them with the support is just like, hey, we're here to talk about anything. Like, want to talk about the toast? Great. Want to, like, play a game? We're all, we can also do that. Want to talk about, like, the TV show you're watching? Right. We make it really accessible. Especially going back to that loneliness conversation, a lot of kids don't have anyone to talk to the talk to about their TV that they're watching. So we we can be that that support for them, and then eventually we get to like here's how to make friends, and here's how yeah, here are ways that you can you know go up to someone at lunch and make that connection. But when these national tragedies or any sort of natural disaster happens, we're able to because on our side we've scaled our people right. It's all through text through the, the app, right, we can very easily manage the demand and support schools without having to, you know, hire 20 more people. I think that's really powerful to be able to provide that school with the just-in-time support. We are, we are just launching with a school out in Michigan a day after the Michigan State shooting. And students are coming, they have their siblings at that school. They're, they have a lot of family around the area. And being able to just, like, have another person to talk about it is one a research-based strategy that you know just talking to someone makes you feel better but then getting some strategies to like how to deal with that anxiety and how to how to not worry about you know going to the grocery store every time you step outside like is is an important part of life too and going back to the connection piece it's like now we're now that we're so connected we know way too much right (laughs) 
And that's good though. Like everyone needs someone to talk to. Like you said, it's therapeutic. It's something that we need as far as the connection. I think that's probably the the thread that connects this conversation is that, you know, we do need that, those connection points. So I'm just thinking about the administrators, the counselors that are listening to this episode and and they are probably seeing, which I saw also in the last couple of years on our campus, is just the increase in anxiety, increase in these harmful thoughts and where students were either thinking of taking their life or harming themselves in some way. And you said it before, it's an overwhelming topic and sometimes we don't even know where to start. So if we are seeing this increase, you know, what can be some first steps for a campus to kind of help our students in such tragic times? Yeah, so we've actually put together a little kit. There's different resources that we can use for both like anxiety or suicidal ideation, you know, depending on the acuity. We've put together some resources that we can share. And then if you want to talk more, we actually we have some pilot spots left for this spring. A lot of schools are piloting. We'll pilot like one or two schools that are high need for the rest of the, the, the school year to then roll out for the following school year. We have some spots left for this community, actually. We've put together a little link that you all can reach out to us at. Um, it's playful.co slash aspire. Uh, and we'll put that in the show notes as well so that you all have access to it. And definitely, I mean, like, reach out to me, right? Maria at playfulhealth.com. We have a ton of resources and uh, like the same strategies that we use on coaching, we can share with you <laughs> to yep. to help support those students because there are a lot of simple things that we can do, even like breathing exercises, right? Like uh, we have this thing called the triangle breathing. It's like breathe in for three, hold for three, breathe out for three. Simple, it resets your nervous system and it helps you calm down. And it's, there's a ton of research based on that. And even just having a poster that says that in your classroom could help a lot of students. So definitely reach out and we're happy to share any resources that we have, especially when there's, you know, again, we're trying to be preventative as much as possible, but especially for those acute needs that um, where students need additional support. We have some some good resources for that, too. Love it. And yes, we'll have that link in the show notes for anyone looking for additional resources. Maria, for aspiring and current leaders, if there's one thing they can do tomorrow to amplify their own leadership journey, what would you recommend? I mean, we've talked a lot, a lot about connection. A lot of you might be in a school building with your people. A lot of you might have new team members that you've met that you haven't really forged strong connections with because they were hired during the pandemic. Or I think going back to connection, and I think of myself as very much like relational leader where I want to understand how my team members feel, how they best work and how, how to best support them. And I've seen a lot of success with that. And I highly recommend that any leader make the time to connect with their people because I think it can go a really long way, especially during challenging time. And can Clayful help with teacher mental health? I mean, we talked about students, obviously, but I'm wondering about for our adults. Oh my goodness. It's definitely a question we get a lot. We think about it also a lot. The current focus is on students because we feel, and talking to teachers, a lot of the challenging problems that teachers are facing is due to student mental health. So it's like, okay, let's solve the kernel of the problem. Um, and it's something we think about a lot. I know Melissa, my co-founder, she's like, her dream is to have a teacher wellness retreat and to support educators in, in their own mental wellness journey. So I'm sure we will come up with something soon. Not yet, but soon. <laughs> 
All right, Aspire listeners, you heard it. If you want a wellness retreat, you got to reach out to Maria and make that happen. <laughs> yeah, we get lots of the men. We're going to have to make it happen. So, <laughs> No, I, I think Playful House, like you said, those additional resources and anything that you're providing the students, you can obviously do for yourself also. Uh, breathing exercises, meditation, whatnot, can do a world of wonders for you as far as your mental health and wellness. And Maria, I, I want my listeners to be able to connect with you in addition to just this episode. So how can they reach out and follow you on social media? Yeah, so my email is maria at playfulhealth.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, it's Maria Barrera, but I think there's an underscore somewhere in there. So maybe we'll put that in the show notes too. Didn't think about that when I made the name. And you can follow Playful Health as well on Instagram and Twitter. We share a lot of resources on there too. A lot of, we take essentially the lessons that we for students and put a mini version of those on our Instagram specifically. So yesterday we we published one around connection and how to help students both like foster and find connection. So really good mini strategies on there that you can benefit from that we can all benefit from. I was like, oh, I should do this too. <laughs> so to your point, a lot of the strategies we we learn about for kids end up helping us and helping our community. I noticed that in my, I'm a better friend, I'm a better sister, I'm a better daughter, like all these things because I'm using the same strategies across my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a pretty powerful way of, of having ripple effects um, as well. Maria, I understand the struggle. I have two underscores, so I'm a double underscore in my oh, handle. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel your pain. And so for everyone, I will have the show in the show notes, I will have all the links for social media. Also, I'll have Maria's email in there. And then also, of course, the additional link for some resources. Maria, I am just so honored to know you, be connected with you, and you know, with all of the fantastic things your company is doing with mental health, mental wellness, I just can't wait to see how you grow and impact more students each and every day. Thank you so much for what you do in education and for being a guest on Aspire to Lead. So much for having me. I hope it was helpful for everybody, and I'm excited to share any resources. Please do not hesitate to reach out because we have lots, and we we're here to make an impact. So anything we can do, we're here for you. 